Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Listen to These Nerds. Uh, we are doing the Lancer Reach of Stars post-mortem. Uh, I'm Joey, and I was, I was the GM uh, with me. Uh, uh, let's just go down in order, I guess, in the Discord call. <laughs> all right. So starting with me, then? Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. My name is Chris, and I played the character of Axel Godstar, a pilot named Blitz. Uh, I'm John. I played the Captain Panoptica. I'm Jonathan, and I played Flint, a uh, call sign Worm. Uh, I'm Harry, and I played uh, Emile Belmont, whose call sign was Noir. Uh, so, uh, since the campaign wrapped up pretty recently and still pretty fresh in everybody's minds, I figured this would be a good chance for us to kind of go over the campaign as a whole. Things that we thought worked, things that we didn't think worked, uh, things we thought about the system, um, and things we would like to see going forward. Um, so uh, I guess I'll start off uh, as the GM. Um, so the goal uh, with this game was kind of originally to give everybody kind of an intro to the system um, and kind of uh, not so much as uh, an intro to the uh, <clears throat> setting. Um, I, I my goal was to keep it fairly short, but uh, give us the chance to kind of like learn how things worked in a more indirect sense. Um, that being said, that's kind of why I created Durga's Grasp and the uh, whole concept of this isolated system, this kind of like um, lost system that uh, the Union had just discovered. Um, so that I could kind of craft stuff on my own, partially um, so that I would have more control over everything. Um, but also so that uh, you guys wouldn't have to know a ton of stuff going in about every individual little lore piece um, about Lancer. Um, that being said, I do think it did kind of suffer as the tonally in that way, because I think having learned more about Lancer since I started the campaign, learned reading more about the lore, I think it, I think we kind of missed out and I would have liked to go more into the real meat of the whole mud and laser setting, whereas we ended up kind of just more of a uh, procedural space combat adventure. Hmm. Well, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was a great campaign, but if you would like to get more into some of what you feel is a better thematic fit for the Lancer campaign setting, then I'd be happy to explore that once again. Having had no experience with Lancer or the setting before, I thought this was a fantastic space combat adventure, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. It it kind of had a very, like, um, like a Star Fox feel to it, almost, in the sense <laughs> where it's like, okay, there's not really a lot of, like, we're not really touching on the background lore of, you know, to use Star Fox as an example, of why there's this giant ape and why he wants to destroy all of civilization. But here's a few key facts you need to know, and beyond that, you're kind of just thrown into it, and away you go, you know, watch giant robots fight. Yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, I'm glad, like, if that you guys had a good time. Um, and I did kind of want to go for a more simple uh, sort of uh, game where it wouldn't be, like, throwing stuff at you, but it was more like the broad strokes, kind of like the uh, union, for the most part, is good versus like <laughs> Harrison Armory for almost 90% to 100% is bad. I think um, one thing about Lancer is it's it's such a crunchy system and there's so many mechanics and there's the whole like CompCon app. So having 
a setting which is kind of lower light allowed me personally to focus more on that. And I think like that, that was really useful and really helpful for me. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I do think uh, that a lot of it had to do with uh, me, like partially my own inexperience with the setting, but also, yeah, I think learning both trying to keep all of our act characters, backstories and actions in, uh, in setting, in addition to being uh, like not very aware of the uh, rules of the game, which uh, I'm sure even up until the last session, uh, people will have noticed we uh, fumbled with a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I I figured a few things out afterwards when I'm looking through the serials. I'm like, oh shit, I uh, that shouldn't have worked. Yeah, it also didn't help that a, a number of us picked some of the most complicated mechs to play. <laughs> I do think, though, in terms of lore, we did do a decent job, at least, of exploring some of the uh, standout, like, big pieces. Like, you know, I, I felt like establishing Horus as this weird, nebulous, like, otherworldly entity um, was, I think, pretty well done. I think, if anything, it was more like uh, uh, Smith Shimano and, like, IPS that got kind of the shaft, because they didn't really have anything in relation to any of your mechs. Yeah, um, and, and, like, to be perfectly honest, like, IPS's backstory or, like, you know, like, thematics didn't really sort of, I guess, gel well with the campaign as a whole because we weren't really traveling a lot, so we wouldn't be interacting with them. Where it's like, Horus just kind of is like, ah, yes, it shows up and, ooh, spooky robots. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that vein, is there anything... Uh, lore-wise, you guys would be interested in exploring if we could, uh, did a, a second run of this uh, campaign? Yeah, there's something in reading the rules uh, that's like kind of lightly touched on, which is that if people die, they can be cloned, and if people lose body parts, their individual body parts can be replaced by like holograms or like, you know, there, there's this kind of like very light meta-human aspect to everything like tech is advancing so fast that like, you know, people and parts of people are being replaced in ways that we can't really understand. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm. Something that we might be able to explore. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I was kind of more interested in doing then, and we kind of touched on it a bit because of all the, the paracausal stuff that happened in it is uh, like one thing is sort of the, the, the skullduggery involved in the various factions, like totally going, no, no, we swear we're not researching paracausal things while actually doing like paracausal research and the effects that kind of has. Yeah. Releasing like paracausal mechs. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's very clear that everyone's kind of like skirting around uh the proclamation that raw did just so that they're not openly violating it but at the same time everyone's trying to pull that shit hmm. I, I would definitely go more into that in the next part especially now that you guys have experienced a nhp going fully unshackled and causing a paracausal instance yeah um again i don't know how that gels lore wise but i think i if i felt like it, it had been established uh enough based on what I had researched, that it was definitely something that could happen. Yeah, I, I think actually uh, it's, like it's written into the NHP things where it's just like, yeah, these things work. No one's really quite sure how. Just, you know, keep the coffin around. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, uh, in terms of lore, was there anything you guys would be interested in doing like with your characters going forward or exploring maybe that we missed before? Um, I think there's a lot of potential for 
like um, in the same way that uh, the place we went to was sort of its own little, you know, government and things. It will be interesting to see like an example of an establishment that's like gone bad in a sense, like, you know, like a, a miniature planetary dictatorship or something like that. Just an example of how life outside of um, the baronies. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like examples of, you know, like the chaos outside of the established civilization that is slowly spreading across the universe. Yeah. Like, like planets that have re- like res- somehow managed to resort back to feudalism sort of thing. Yeah. But feudalism with giant robots. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of like characters, uh, there was actually a bunch of stuff that I had had in like Noir's backstory that we never really got around to. Like the reason why he was so gung ho about like the arm, like wanting to go after the armory, because like in the rules, like because Emil has served in the Harrison Armory military, he is uh, a citizen, which is generally considered like a higher echelon than, um, God, what are they like? They call them like um, not citizens, but like there's a term that they use to like differentiate between people that have served in the Harrison Armory military and people that just live in like Harrison Armory territories. But uh, like, and the basic idea would be like, oh, like as the game would go on, there'd be these little hints as to like, oh, why exactly Noir is so gung ho about going up against Harrison Armory, and like obviously his usual the stuff that did come up was mostly just related to the fact that he was a soldier through and through but it obviously would be like uh it'd be an opportunity to explore a bit more of depth instead of him just being like ah yes i'm the guy with that knows how to actually do the soldiering stuff i think actually the end the very end so uh full disclosure on the harrison armory section at the very end there were plans to do more of an actual conflict, but I actually really liked the way it worked out with you and, and the and the uh, guy from Harrison Armory talking because it gave a lot more background onto you, the amount that you are clearly in with them. Um, and I would probably use that going going forward as a springboard. Yeah, and, and that was sort of the thing, right? Like when you brought that forward. Uh, like, so what originally I was planning was at some point, uh, I was going to that, like, thing I rattled off, that, like, HA slash AMT, uh, originally my plan was, if Harrison Armory was, like, attacking the city directly, was I would just start getting on comm channels and start being like, listen, whatever deal you had with Balin is gone, he's dead, and you can either fight us or you can fight the rogue NHP and us. And I know for a damn fact that the armory does not appreciate waste in the second option. So that whole thing where it was like, oh, if it seemed like it was very pre-rehearsed, that's because it was. And then when he showed up, I'm like, ooh, baby, here comes the moment. Perfect. Yeah, I think that was really good. Um, Jonathan, was there anything you wanted to maybe work in that uh, about Worm? Uh, yeah, so one thing, Worm also comes from kind of like a backwater system that that has been essentially annexed by union and i think in this game we very much had like union as the good guys and harrison armory as the bad guys but i think there is a lot of gray area right when it comes to like widespread expansion and what is essentially like colonialism in some cases Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of interesting to explore like the the consequences of having this one huge organization controlling so much and sometimes you know things get lost like certain systems might be relying on union and just 
not get the support they need, stuff like that. Oh yeah, I think it's. I think one of the great things that they've established in Lancer is that Union is not perfect. Like yeah. Union is is doing their best to to move towards a utopian ideal, but they are not perfect, and there are still parts of them that that are terrible. Because ultimately, nice. in any organization that big, there's going to be parts that are terrible, and also that all of the corporations are terrible. Because guess what? They're corporations. Hey. <laughs> so, hey. Yeah, I think, so I think a, that could be really fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a great uh, Twitter post from the Lancer guys saying that all carbs are bastards, even I, IPS. Well, yeah, because like the the thing about the Caliban that I love so much is it's like you've got IPS and like all the stuff in the base game is all like oh like you know they're for protecting ships and for doing that sort of thing, and then you have the Caliban which is like oh yeah this thing uh, we designed this thing to break into ships and just massacre entire crews. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Why would you need that? Then IPS just looks at you and goes, reasons, piracy related reasons. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I yeah, I would definitely like to go more into like because I, I I portrayed like the thing is your cipher for Union was essentially like the couple people you met, which were like Sandra and Gan, and yeah, to some to some degree Milo, but not really. Um, just as like proxies for like the union as a whole, but I would like to definitely get into the idea that yes, you guys happen to work with people who like actually believed in unions' ideals, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they all would. Yeah, and we, I think we got exploring the, we stuff got like people yeah. that were like still invested in the dream, as opposed to like the bureaucrat that's been there for twenty years who's just doing exactly enough to ensure that he doesn't get fired at his job. Yeah, or or whatever is happening with the uh, worm. I think is a very is a very valid uh, avenue we could explore. Yeah. Um, so one question I did have about the plot, and it's mostly just a thing. So we know that from like the thing Sandra found out at the end that Balin was basically like uh, like the son or grandson of the guy who originally like built the colony, effectively. Yeah, but, who, see, who sent out the seed ships. Yeah, uh, but, like, what exactly was his plan, like, going forward? Like, I think we touched on it a little bit in the game, but I wanted to just double-check if we were, like, on the money with that, where it was, like, his plan was to release the NHP, have Arison Armory attack the city, and then somehow in the chaos portray himself as the good guy? So, uh, Balin's entire thing was that um, he... so. Uh, Harrison Armory uh, has uh, essentially a force that comes in. The The Decimation Squad thing was something I made up as like a specific strike team to take out Rogue and HPs. Yes. Um, but uh, the Harrison Armory has a history of uh, when union relations break down or when there's like a major incident, they come in and they're like, oh, well, we have to secure this. So they just get really like boots on, like boot on the neck sort of. Yes. With places to be like we got to put them down because they're dangerous yeah order at and, any cost yeah mm. and so essentially what he balen was aiming for was um i incite this civil war to show instability politically i release the nhp to cause a major like system-wide threat that will have to get put down but it won't get too bad because i pre-alerted the Harrison Armory about it so they're gonna be here just as it's going crazy mm. and then i'm gonna swoop in at because he he had infiltrated under a false identity um, huh. to to essentially work. He had been there for, I think, in my notes, I have it set like five years. He's been under a false identity here working to get up to the point where he could get into that room. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, 
and once he escaped with his with the the pilot um <clears throat> essentially he was going to flip and be like haha i'm actually this Harrison Armory guy because he he it comes from a family that holds a lot of sway in Harrison Armory ah i see right so because so, yeah. his, the, the grandfather was uh, i think it's actually maybe great grandfather uh but essentially his his ancestor had a huge amount of sway so did he he was just yeah. and he had because he he called in the squad he also had set up contingencies and stuff and he um was essentially like okay i have positioned myself perfectly that i'm going to be the one to take over yeah. and be the one in charge of pacifying air quotes this area and then he's gonna be like i'm just gonna do what i what my ancestor wanted to do and take essentially take it over right okay but yes, that was his. That was his end goal was to show the union that it was too. This place was too dangerous and unstable to be left alone or to be handled peacefully. Right. Hmm. Uh, so I remember, Chris, you mentioned that there was something about there was some blitz related stuff you wanted to maybe work in if we did another yep. season. Um. Yeah. Basically, there is a little bit about um blitz's past that i would like to get into or just basically his backstory and why he is the way he is and why he's such a shall we say unique character among some of the other pilots and stuff like that i will say that um i didn't want to just make him a one-dimensional character and that there are some reasons for why he acts the way he does and if we were to get back into a second season I would very much like to go into that just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I definitely something I'd be willing to uh, get into. Um, I mm. think your, uh, I think maybe <clears throat> we, if you want to keep it more on the down low, we can uh, we can table that for for next time. But yeah. yeah, if you if there's some stuff around your background, I honestly think um, having considered that again, one of the things I wanted to do was integrate your guys' backstories a bit more. But cool. I think we kind of have all the pieces, especially with. Uh, uh, Panoptica, I really think we could use that going forward uh, if uh, as a maybe, not necessarily as like a, a framing device in terms of like setting up a way for you guys to get around, but at least integrating uh, Panoptica's like Nomad Swarm mm-hmm. as a uh, major uh, section of a future campaign. But yeah, mm-hmm. John, if you'd like to talk a bit about anything that you was there anything about Panoptica you would want to explore a bit more? Um, I honestly, Panoptica was really more a creation of me not knowing the setting and kind of deciding early on that I wanted to try making a, a hacking character. Um, so I, I, I mean, she's basically just an Ar- Argonauts character from uh, from Eclipse Phase. So, um, which I don't think really came up much during the game because the the we were in a place where where they wouldn't have like secret technology or anything that they weren't sharing with the rest of the galaxy because we were mm. kind of on a backwater system yeah definitely yeah, the, i had kind of a similar approach when designing worm because i didn't know a ton about the system and i, I really wanted to play a horus mech specifically the pegasus and so i just came up with this character who I knew wouldn't really have ties to any of the factions and I could just kind of like 
be really free with their association to, to everything. Again, I'm still really disappointed in myself for not learning guitar so I could just re-record a version of the Dukes of Hazard theme song, but it's centered around Worm. <laughs> I mean, I've got a saxophone, man. We could make it happen. <laughs> wait, no, Alida has a banjo. Oh, wait, this could work. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I think that's definitely... <clears throat> So, uh, as much as I love you guys talking about how great the campaign was, uh, is there anything you guys felt could be improved? Because I have a couple notes for myself, but I, I'd like to hear it from you first. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think a lot of my issues came up due to the rules changing constantly while we were playing. I think my build was, like, modified four or five times because of, like, just how the rules kept changing. Maybe perhaps that your choices were maybe a little too optimal. I was too strong. I had to be nerfed. I mean, did you see that fight we had <laughs> where where me and Worm stood next to each other and everything died? <laughs> I I really do like to imagine that that was actually the onus for the like for the patch notes. Basically, is they just started listening to it and then like as the fight went on and on, they're like, we we got to do something about this. <laughs> um. I think, uh, in terms of what, uh, anything I think could be improved, uh, I think most of the stuff that we sort of did was we kind of talked about this, um, like in between sessions. Uh, the big thing was just the fact that we didn't really have a, like, a really good grasp on what to do, like, outside of mech combat, where it was like, uh, like, uh, where it's like, okay, if we wanted to do something where we're out of the suits for some reason, like, how does that work? How does that fit into the game overall? And we have we've had this discussion before about like how the rules light does make it a little difficult to figure out like what exactly you can get away with in that sort of respect. So I, I won't believe you're the point too much here since we've kind of had that discussion before, but definitely certainly now that we've got a better handle on like, okay, how does the out of mech stuff work? Or even just something where it's like, um I don't know where I was going with this. Uh, but yeah, basically, just now that we've got a better handle on what exactly the out of co- out of mech stuff looks, I think we could really do more stuff with it going if we decide to go forward. Uh, kind of along that vein, I think all, all the criticisms I have kind of come out of the fact that you know this is a new system for us and we're going through a lot of growing pains. And I think like we we did have that an entire session where we were out of the mechs and we were going through that power plant. And I think like that, it felt a little clunky at the time, but I think we handled that pretty well. And then by the very last session, that fight, like you had us making pilot checks while we were inside the mechs and like dealing with environmental stuff. Like there was a really, really good balance of things. Um, like I feel like it really all came together at the end. Uh, uh yeah, I mean, I definitely am with you guys. Uh, I have in my notes here, uh, no more factories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think the, the the real issue is like on like in terms of like dealing with you guys making checks in those last couple of sessions i felt like i was a lot better about like make this type of check make this type of check uh stay stay cool etc yeah uh but like that that uh factory situation really kind of opened my eyes to like <clears throat> some of the weaknesses in both my approach and in uh the game I think largely more 
it was to do with my issues involving treating it almost like it was a dungeon mm. um, and being like, oh, hey, these are traps. Oh, there's someone attacking you. Oh, make a dodge. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it doesn't play to the strengths of the system where it's more abstracted. Um, totally. I think finding a balance between uh, having your characters be like incredibly competent uh, military people and also having there be threats that you have to deal with is something else still have to work towards. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, I think combat balance was something that was kind of like uneven throughout. Like certain fights, I felt were really good. I think actually uh, the best fight. I, I would. I'd be very interested to hear what you guys think the best fight was. Personally, I actually thought the best fight was the one in went to stop the factory from exploding, um, where you guys had to go into that heat, that hot room, and move around within it, constantly taking heat damage. Oh yeah, that one was fun. Um, that one. Except for Harry, because he stood outside and shot lasers. I mean, but... that that but that was the thing, right? Like, that was kind of what I developed Noir to be, was to have, like, this gigantic gun and to be like, all right, well, I can be a, like, mobile wall if I need to. But for the most part, like, mobility is the weakness of the Barbarossa. And I kind of oh, absolutely cover that a little bit, but it was like, yeah, like... Honestly, it's like, I knew I was doing, like, the thing was is that I was still doing something, and I knew that my effect meant that, okay, I can basically play support, just keep firing the Apocalypse Rail every turn, and that way I can free up everybody else to be able to do other things so that it's, like, a bit less stressful. So I was, I I was perfectly fine with that, honestly. Okay, yeah, because, again, this wasn't, didn't have anything to do with you as a player, and, uh, and your, like, your approach made complete sense for the context. It was that, I felt I should have given you more things to deal with um, because you were just kind of outside and un- and unmolested, essentially. Yeah. Like, I should have had more of the uh, annoying, like, uh, like mover loader robots, like, attacking you and stuff to force you to make, not necessarily have to, like, stop using the apocalypse rail, but, like, make decisions. Yeah, like, and um, uh, that, you sort of, like, and that was something that I believe by the time we got to the final fight, you were starting to really bring into a lot, because you had, like, uh, the arms and the environmental effects and all those things that would basically mean that, like, where it's like, okay, I would have to adjust this strategy of just, I'm going to plant uh-huh. myself here, and your motherfucking life ends 30 minutes from now. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that I, uh, would like to see with combat is more peril in a way. And I, I guess I feel like the risk to individual mechs in combat wasn't balanced between players. Like, I don't think I made a single structure check throughout the whole campaign. Whereas, you know, Panoptico's mech blew up three times. <laughs> <laughs> to <Right>? be fair, <laughs> two of those times were bad rolls. Yeah, but still, right? Yeah, I think absolutely. two of those times were also triggered by myself. <laughs> I understand that it, it's difficult with so many players to, you can't just, you know, put twice as many enemies on the battlefield because that slows everything down to a halt. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to, how to balance it. I feel like it's not really a fair criticism because I don't have an answer for oh, it. Oh, no, no, but... no, absolutely. I think it's an absolutely valid criticism because uh, there are a, like, this game is incredibly deep in terms of its combat system, and there are definitely enemy mechs that could have dealt with you a lot more efficiently um, that I just didn't end up using, and I should have done it uh, because it was, and it just happened to be that a lot of the times where I was when I was building stuff, I would be like building an idea of like, okay, I'm going to use these guys with these guys, and they're going to do this, and here's the strategy, and then they just, I like you guys were just like 
you reacted too well in the sense that you figured out, okay, this is exactly what we need to do, and then just were able to avoid a lot of stuff. Panoptica got unlucky because she uh, got moved to in in on by uh, melee guys, um, and happened to always somehow be close enough to the enemy to get uh, chased around the map. Um, but that being said, I I definitely agree that uh, going forward, I should I will tailor if we do another season, uh, I'll I'll tailor the combat more around what more around keeping you all on your toes, or at very least uh, varying it up so that, like, this combat's harder for Harry, this combat's harder for Yonthan, this combat's harder for Chris. I don't know what you're talking about. Blitz uh, Blitz can overcome just about anything. Yeah. It's funny because Blitz seem to take, always take a lot of damage, but, like, never really go down. Mm. Which felt actually weirdly on theme for him. Yeah. Yeah, like, cause yeah, cause like one thing, like I started looking through CompCon, just like browsing through it, and like there was an entire section about biological enemies that we never ran into, and Ooh. I was trying to think like, oh, like if that happens, John's kind of like shit out of luck because obviously he the Panoptica wouldn't be able to do much against biological enemies, so that'd be a difficult fight for like her. But you know, between Blitz, Noir, and Worm the biological enemies might be the easier of the two, because then it's just like, okay, well, we can totally just destroy them before they destroy us. I think the one thing that I really liked about the final combat, uh, like the final boss fight, is that there were so many small enemies. And, like, you know, when it started shooting out those crystals, I was like, I don't know how these are going to react. They're shooting beams of black light in between them. Like, do we just kill them or do we get out of the way? And it felt like my priorities were really split and it, it became less of uh, like, oh, I'm in immediate danger and more of a, like, how can I best split my resources? And that was really fun, too. That was really cool. Yeah, one thing I will... I did enjoy that. Yeah, one thing I will say is that you were, like, especially considering the, the things that I could do with my build, uh, Joey, that I had to commend you on, is basically just kind of rolling with stupid, dumb ideas I came up with. Uh, <laughs> one in particular I'm thinking of is in the very first fight we had in where my character deliberately set off an avalanche and you just kind of rolled with it. Oh, yeah, I actually definitely wasn't planning for that. <laughs> I, for, I, I forgot about that, yeah. But yeah, no, like just the fact where it was like, well, I've got this thing that can just remove, like, a cubic area. Can I just use it to set off a snowfall? <laughs> I mean, it worked out. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, I thought it was good, too, uh, maybe, uh, giving a visual indicator of, like, what's happening, uh, I think was very helpful. And, well, <laughs> it was helpful for you guys. Uh, another thing that I think we all need to work on uh, is describing what's happening on the board visually. Mm. Uh, oh my god, yeah. Yeah, and I because I imagine listening to it must be a real trial. Um, yeah, having gone back and listening to recordings, like, I have no idea how some of the combat signs <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Uh, I, at the very end, I, I, I was trying to, like, be very uh, vocal about, like, positioning and, like, what was happening. But it's just, like, in the moment, when when you have a board, it's it's so hard to be like, okay, I move forward near this. I am now here. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's like D- in D and D, it doesn't really matter, right? Because in D and D, you're like, okay, I run up and I hit him, but there's no like, there's not a lot mind, of cover yeah. rules. And it's mostly embellishing, like, hey, I did a cool sword swing. I did a cool shield. Mm-hmm. But like, whereas with this one, like positioning is kind of king, actually. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean. Um. 
Uh, I mean, I can uh, go I, it, now that we've kind of uh, again, I appreciate you guys uh, finding positives even in the negatives I brought up. Um, and addition uh, to that, I think um, I could probably go into some of the stuff I was planning to do. Ooh, that, yes. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, it's not a ton. I didn't have like some grand insane thing planned out. Um, but I definitely wanted to go more into each of the uh, uh, each of the different planets and kind of their aesthetics and what they're what was going to happen on them. I had more of a plot involving like the fingers of truth and the kind of like realization that you guys would have uh, about them being like uh, a organization that was xenophobic, but not necessarily like uh, not necessarily actually trying to overthrow the government mm-hmm. and how. Uh, the plan was to get you guys to actually go into their, uh, quote unquote headquarters, um, meet the leader and then realize that, Hey, they're being set up by some other, uh, some third party who's essentially trying to like stoke a civil, an internal, like a system wide civil war. Right. Um, and kind of the fallout of that, which would culminate in, uh, essentially you realizing what their plan is and having to go to blade to deal with it. Um, and the idea would have been that, um, Blade would have been kind of more of just like, you show up and the, and the stuff is happening. Um, I think ultimately we, it was good to, to I, I did really like some of the stuff we did there where you guys like went in there and helped like fortify defenses, talk to the council. That stuff was really cool. But originally the plan was you would kind of go from planet to planet. Um, I think I, I didn't have plans for all of them. Some of them would have just been kind of like set dressing. Mm. Um, but for the most part, it would be like, you'd figure out, oh shoot, there's an AI going rogue on this planet. We got to go to it. And you'd show up kind of like in media res as it's like freaking out. Right. Um, but I, I mean, again, uh, necessity is mother invention. And I think, uh, kind of the pivot we made to, I was good. Um, and there were some unfortunate situations where, uh, I realized that it was like it had been too long between sessions a couple of times. So it would be like, I can't make this like a like a whodunit and give you guys all the evidence because it's been so long that I did kind of have to do a bit of like a here's what is happening. Here's why it's happening. Yeah. But that being said, I do actually commend you guys on figuring out a lot of stuff beforehand, like being able like figuring out that the that the AI was in blade. uh Figure getting immediately being suspicious of Balin, which I mean, part of that was a uh, maybe uh, a little bit of um, uh, failure on my part to make him a little more subtle. Wow. Um, I mean, no, that totally makes sense, right? Like the exact sort of person that Balin is is the sort of person, like at least for me, would be the guy who's like, I'm so such a genius. Nobody can see through my obvious plans. So I'm going to just suggest, ah, yes, why don't you all go as far away from the capital as possible? Please, just go away. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I would have liked to develop him a bit more, um, and maybe even do, like, see, within the pivot (laughs) to the focus on Blade, I did want there to be one mission that you do on Blade, Mm. uh, so that you could establish Balon a bit more as, like, oh, he's helpful, but also not super helpful, oh, okay, Here's some stuff instead of just kind of being like, haha, I was the villain the whole time. Yeah, and, like, uh, like basically, so like, I'd imagine there'd be like a point where we'd be like, wow, that guy's an asshole. And then Noir's like, no, no, that's, that's just a bureaucrat. That's, that's literally yeah. how they operate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, uh, I can take a lot of the ideas that I would have used and move them forward. So we'll, uh, 
we'll see about that when we uh, run uh, run the next season. Hmm. Um, yeah, ultimately, I would say I had a really great time running it. Uh, it got a little stressful during the end because I wanted to, to deliver, uh, and I really hope people enjoyed uh, the ending. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys uh, getting like legitimately getting into the system so well. I think it was I think it was really cool to see everybody be interested in their builds and like I thought. I didn't realize how cool and diverse the kind of like systems were in terms of combat and the way that we were able to actually even work that into kind of your character's personalities and your mech as a representation of kind of what you were about. Mm -hmm. That was super, super fun. I, when I first uh, learned about Lancer, it was like probably a couple of years ago when it was first announced, I I got really excited, but at that time I was mostly playing like D and D and I got really put off by how crunchy it was. And specifically the fact that it was like you kind of had to have a grid to do combat properly. But now that I've gotten into it, uh, like I really like that even though it's so crunchy, there's a lot of room to kind of put your own narrative on top of things and to build like really nice fleshed out characters uh, and have them interact with the combat system. That was super, super cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, if anyone has any additional stuff you like, guys would like to add in, uh, I would be happy to listen um yeah i mean i definitely like to face off against different types of opponents honestly um i'd like to see more examples of the other mechs that are in the playbook like there are tons and tons of examples of things that we've seen like for example um I'm trying to think of the character's name the the sparry warrior who we were friends with Malo. Um, Malo. Melo, yeah, like Melo was a very interesting character, and he had his own, you know, mech from the playbook, the Atlas. Yes. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. I would be interested in like fighting against somebody who had a similar type of mech, or you know, like um, give us a chance to experience those types of characters um, on the other side of combat, so to speak. Yeah, like to kind of prop off of this i'm actually like really interested in playing this game again but maybe not as the same characters mostly because there's like a lot of mechs in the actual like a lot of mechs that i'm still trying to figure out like okay how would you like play this as a thing so like one thing i've mentioned before is the idea of the the pilot who is basically like one of the test pilots for the lich and so he's gone through that experience of, like, dying and coming back to life. And, of course, that whole thing's left him just severely, like, like it's got it's given him some problems. But the thing that I keep coming back to is, like, well, in order for that to work, like, it obviously I'd have to play, like, with the Lich, um, like, the Lich mech. But I'm trying to figure out, like, like, how would you even use the Lich effectively in battle or something like that? Just the idea of, like, looking into the things, because there's obvious ones in the book, and, like, the method of play that you use for them is fairly obvious, right? Like, the Barbarossa is all about, like, big guns. Um, The Zhang is all about getting up and punching things. Um, The Pegasus is about a lot of, like, mobility and just, like, direct damage. Um, But then there are ones like the Lich, where it's like, you're not entirely, or like, um, oh god, which one's the one? I think it's the Manticore? Uh, like the Lich, where it's like, oh, you have like four health. Uh, you can't really like it's really difficult for you to die. But if somebody hits you hard enough, like with a stiff breeze, you're going to explode. And then there's stuff like the Manticore, which is like your best option is to 
basically force yourself to take as much damage as possible so that you can get to a structure damage so that you can unleash a massive explosion in like all of your enemies. So I don't know. It would just be kind of interesting to see like maybe as different characters even, or as Chris mentioned, like even from the other side of things of just like, okay, how would someone use these sort of mechs? Yeah, I'm definitely interested in check in checking out the other ones. It's it's tough though to create like enemies using the mechs in the books because actually, uh, fun fact: uh, John and I tried to do a uh, lancer versus lancer fight mm. where we each had like multiple mechs and we were fighting against each other, and we realized that like the game is not set up for that and it doesn't work super well because it becomes very clunky. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'd imagine like it, it kind of turns into a slugfest after a certain point because you've got so much health and between the structure and the heat and all that other stuff that it just like you eventually just kind of resort to like each person standing your ground and trying to like damage race the other. It it really depended on the mech on the mechs you were using, but uh, I definitely would like to essentially bring in the spirit of the those mechs because uh, I think the just aesthetically they're so cool. That I would definitely want to bring in something that's like the Drake, like the um uh like the Lich, like uh the Black Queen, that kind of stuff. Yeah, the, the weird the, one. Oh, sorry, the black the black witch. Yeah. Witch, yeah. But yeah, the uh I yeah. I ultimately I think a lot of the <clears throat> Mail was kind of there to be support, um, and uh, possibly like a replacement character, uh, if someone uh you know died or wanted to swap in uh, oh, okay. and also a bit of a, a bit of a uh, dm npc because uh, <laughs> i th- think the atlas is very cool but mm. yeah um yeah i would definitely like to integrate more of those uh mechs uh, at least in the sense of like uh the kind of the same way i did with the goblin uh that you guys had to fight where it was like atta- already attached to something or like mm. have a lich show up just to be like uh, like an outside threat, or even if it's in the fight, just having it do weird shit that the witch can't necessarily do. Yeah, like something uh, in the spirit. You, yeah, you also don't need to have like you know NPCs be lancers and have the mechs, but to give them abilities that odd lancer mechs have to yeah. pose like interesting challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just imagining, uh, oh man, like, I'm imagining an encounter now where it's, like, against an enemy with, like, a lich-like ability. And, like, the problem with the encounter is not fighting them, it's the fact that, like, every time you kill one of them, like, a new one spawns out of the phylactery. And so the actual, like, fight is not actually against them, but it's like, okay, we have to get past these, like, infinite respawning dudes to destroy the phylacteries, or else we're just gonna get worn down by attrition. Mm Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, given that it's a sci-fi setting with so many possible mechs and so many possible sciences that can go into this, like, I feel as though there is a lot that uh, we could use for campaign material. Yeah, I know definitely I think I want to try playing a more aggressive, less supporty character. Less less squishy? Well, not just less squishy, but like... Um, as much fun as it was to be to to hack all of the things and to be like, oh, you get a lock on and you get a lock on, and uh, hey, worm, how do you feel about d- dealing double maximum damage for a turn? You know, mm. I, I'd I'd like to be the person dealing out the damage a little bit more. Yes, come get the apocalypse rail. <laughs> 
I myself, um, although it was fun playing a guy who just runs in and punches things as hard as he can, I would like to play something actually more towards like a combination of Worm and Panoptica, like a support-based character, but also something with that Horus Mech-style level of creepiness, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Again, the thing <laughs> that I would like to do if I was going to make a new character, I would just want to do the weird shit, basically. Mm. Everybody wants to do Horus at least once. Yes, everybody mm. wants to do it at least once, just so that they can go full bore with it. Everybody it run Horus, just do Horus crew. <laughs> oh. <laughs> An all-Horus campaign. Oh, boy. Yeah, if I'm going to do another character, I think I'd like to do a, a, Schmidt, a Shimano mech, like maybe the White Witch. Mm. I think it's really fun. I also just love the kind of idea of all of the SSC mechs being like custom made for the people who order them. And like, what kind of person does that? You know, I kind of want to explore that a little. A white witch character, you mean? Just Yeah, the kind of person who like thinks so highly of themselves, but also has like such a firm, personalized aesthetic that they're willing to spend like their life savings on it. And that aesthetic is the oh. white witch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just total Yas Queen uh, type of personality. Yes, yeah. Mm, that would be fun. Like instead, like the instead of them kind of showing up on a printer, like three hundred blind monks arrive and begin like slowly <laughs> assembling this thing piece by piece by yeah, hand. Exactly, it's great. It, the Louis Vuitton of mechs. <laughs> Where do I recycle oh, the mech when it's not good anymore? Oh, you destroy it. It's to keep the brand value, you see. Uh, <laughs> one of a kind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, I don't know, there's something I think that would be very satisfying about bringing that kind of level of camp, almost, to a Lancer setting where everything is already a little bit over the top. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think the takeaway here is that this system's great. Yes. <laughs> it's, very, it's so much fun. Everybody should play this. It's a phenomenal. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the thanks to the creators of Lancer for making this very cool robot game. I think I think the great part is that I've been waiting so long for like a decent mech game, um, and I'm sure there are some out there. The indie space is huge right now, and there's more coming out all the time. But like for a long time, it was like here's D two here's D and D, but you're in a robot. Uh, here's Mecha of uh, Gerps. Here's uh, this thing, and it's like they a lot of them had like good pieces, or they were mm. good for different reasons. But I never felt like I found one of these mech games that really gelled until now. Yeah, so I agree. There's there is something very satisfying about just the sheer level of customization that you can like get into with this. Like, especially oh, yeah. once you start, once you realize, like, oh, the licenses can be, like, bespoke. You don't have to get them all in, like, a set. And then all of a sudden it turns into this thing of, like, okay, do I attempt to, like, cover for weaknesses in the frame I want to use? Or do I just go, like, all in on one particular aspect and hope to God we never, like, encounter the counter to that? Yeah. <laughs> I really also... like the mix and match system. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it was really, really fun to level up as a party and to try and complement each other. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, if unless anyone has anything else to, uh, to add, I think that's uh, that's a good place to call it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's good. All right. Well, thank yeah, you for running uh, the game, Joey, and uh, hopefully we can return to the setting at some point in the future. 
Yeah, yeah. I would lo- I would love to keep to do another campaign of this. Uh I would also love to play, you know. Uh, <laughs> Hit, yeah. nudge, nudge. Su- such is the curse of being mm. super into a system. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I guess we'll uh, with that we'll sign off. And thanks again uh, to everyone listening, and thanks again to my uh, great players and uh, the creators of Lancer. This uh, game is. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listen to these or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listen to these nerds at gmail.com.